0: Hi. Welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present, on History.org. This is Behind the Scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. This time, I'm asking John Bogue, and at Colonial Williamsburg, he's a wheelwright, which leads to the obvious question, what's a wheelwright? Wheelwright builds
1: wheels and vehicles, work vehicles, uh, things like ox carts and wheelbarrows and
0: wagons and things like that. Okay. I am now a typical guest and I'm going to ask the question how hard is it to build a wheel
1: well we do get that question pretty often i figured and uh our our answer is usually dependent on who's answering it if it's an apprentice it's really hard particularly a, a beginning apprentice uh after 22 years of doing it it's pretty easy to be honest you follow the rules you do the work right and the wheel comes out round
0: Mm. 22 years you've been? Yeah. Well, you you must have started as an apprentice. Yeah. Uh, how hard was it for you 22 years ago? I was the king of self-doubt.
1: Um, it, I think I worked hard every day of a six-year apprenticeship. And it wasn't really until I was a journeyman for about three years that I said, you know, I think I'm getting this.
0: So, yeah, it's hard. What makes making a wheel... Hard. I mean, what's, what's the part that really, when you were an apprentice kid, you looked at it and you said, oh my God, I don't want to do that today. It's the precision. Um, you have
1: to be incredibly precise with certain parts of the work, but primarily the, the mortises or the slots in the hub where the spokes go in. If they're not done correctly, the whole thing is ruined. So... You're dealing with a rare piece of wood for the hub, a piece of American elm, that is getting harder and harder every year to get, and if you mess up one little bit, it could ruin the whole wheel. And then you build it, and then you shrink a big iron tire around it. So, you have this stress of compressing all your work with an incredible amount of force for the tire. It, it, uh, At the beginning, it was some sleepless nights before you put a tire on a wheel. Would it break?
0: Yeah, if you're going to compress an iron tire around a wooden wheel, if you get it too tight, that's not going to work. Right. And, you know, the master
1: of a shop, in my experience and and how I teach today, allows apprentices to make certain mistakes because they learn better. When you make mistakes but on certain areas you don't want them to make mistakes yeah don't, don't make a mistake here right yes. right so you know they'll say well i'd like to take three quarters of an inch out of that tire compared to the wooden wheel and you go well you, you want to think of, through that one again and then that makes their life a little bit more stressful and then you have to sit down and talk to them about why you want to do it one way or another way
0: it's it, it can be challenging You said American Elm is getting more and more difficult to find. Right. Certain projects need bigger logs.
1: Certain projects need smaller logs. So you have to dole out your logs and get them cut to the right sizes in order to keep working down the road. Uh, We have to allow wood like oak to dry a year for every inch of thickness of the sawn material. So if you have a five-inch thick piece, you've put that wood away for five years before you can use it. So you have to plan way ahead on what your projects will be.
0: Why American Elm for a wheel?
1: Elm has has a twisted grain structure that doesn't split very easily. So if you turn a hub, the center part of the wheel, out of it and cut the mortises there for the spokes to be fitted in and you drive those spokes in with a sledgehammer, it won't break the hub. You can imagine how upset you'd be if the first spoke you drove into a a non-elm hub and it would pop in half and
0: you'd have to start over again you're working with round and straight right and hubs and we what tools do you use what when you walk in the shop in the morning what do you pick up Oh, it depends on what I'm working on that day of course but we
1: work with a variety of wood planes the dimension material but we also use axes and saws and chisels um, Mortises, the, the rectangular or square holes that you put in the hub and then the outside curve sections have mortises that are cut with augers and then chisels. Um, so we have basically a kit of tools that would be best described as uh, everyday carpenter's tools.
0: Mm-hmm. Only a few that are specific to our industry. So... Uh... There's no tool that you could carry through the street, and and in the 18th century, everybody would point and say, he's the wheelwright because he's got a wheelwright's whatchamacallit. There are a couple, couple. but they're big, so you probably wouldn't want to walk down the street with them. (laughs) What do they do?
1: Um, The the most interesting and most challenging to work with is called a tapered reamer. It's the process that comes at the very end of the job, and you core the hub for a a cast iron bushing and you just simply have to get it through straight or else your wheel wobbles along on the axle yeah that would not work very well so our biggest ones you require three people to turn it through the hub so it's it's a it's a day's job that you don't look forward to
0: so that's that's three people uh that means a lot of power is needed just to get through yeah and as you get older it gets harder What attracted you to wheelwriting, for lack of a better word? Uh,
1: it was, to be honest with you, it was the trade shop apprenticeship that was open. Okay? I think I would have been just as happy in the cooper shop, for instance, or the house carpenter's yard. Um, what led me into trades work and museum setting? is um, the simple fact that my college history professors all told me that you couldn't make a decent living doing what I was hoping to do. <laughs> I've
0: proved them wrong. <laughs> uh, so obviously you have an interest in history, and you like wood because the three things you mentioned are all wood. Yeah. Uh, and it was available. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's all come out.
1: You know, it's, it, things work out. You know, I was, the job came open and I got accepted. And uh, the big problem next when I came to the shop is I suddenly realized that it was a gigantic geometry problem building a wheel is. And I didn't do well in geometry. There's, there's a reason <laughs> that people go into history is that they're no good in science or math. <laughs> but, um, I had to I had to redo all my geometry, and learn how to deal with the geometry problems that a wheel presents you um, in an 18th century manner, and then it's not too bad.
0: What do you make wheels for? Is it just carriages? Is it farmers' carts? Is it dog sleds? I mean, what? Um, well, first of all, we work. We we take
1: care of all the vehicles in town, like the carriages that mm-hmm. are giving visitors rides, and that's a big priority. Uh, then all the work vehicles, ox carts, the wagons, the vehicles that honestly are out there to kind of bring life to the street, you know. Um, then wheelbarrows, artillery carriages. Then there's the occasional job for other museums. Um, the, we've even done work that didn't involve wheels. Uh, recently, we built a plow for Mount Vernon, and that was really kind of inter- interesting.
0: What, what does building wheels and making plows have to do with each other? The only missing th- some.
1: Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that there was, there's an obscure 18th century treatise that was written by a guy who was a wheelwright and plowmaker. So they decided when Mount Vernon wanted us to build one that I was the guy that they were going to tap. <laughs>
0: Because somebody wrote about it 200 years yeah. ago. Well, that makes sense. Why not? Yeah. I mean, and you know, here you are building something that
1: we discovered as we were doing the research on it. There wasn't a complete one surviving. So we had to work with what we had available um, and then look at 18th century patent drawings to figure out what was missing from the surviving ones and then build something that you've never constructed before so that it could be exhibited as an example of the thing in a museum. So it was fun.
0: Well, I guess after you make it, that's the example. Yeah. I mean, so who's going to tell me I'm wrong? (laughs) Since there are not many wooden plowmakers running around making a living. Yeah, it was fun. In a standard year, how many wheels of any size get made in your shop? We've averaged it out to about 16. Um,
1: Of course, you're also dealing with the bodies of the vehicles, and some wheels will take much longer than others. A coach wheel might take 100 hours of of production time, where a wheelbarrow wheel only takes 12. So uh, a good example would be we're just finishing up a wagon now that three of us have spent five months building. So there's five, four wheels in five months if you want to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. And then we'll turn right around and build four coach wheels before Christmas. Some wheels, some years are more productive. Other years we have bigger fish to fry and don't get many
0: wheels built. Uh, Speaking of bigger fish, what what is the biggest wheel you've ever had to handle? Uh, The ones we have right now are
1: are amongst the heaviest. Uh, They're 60 inches tall and 3 inches wide. Uh, The hub um, 16 inches long and 13 and a half inches in diameter. So they weigh about 225
0: pounds. I mean, just physically moving those around. You can roll them, though. You don't have to pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a, a fairly large wheel, a, a wagon wheel kind of thing, uh, how many spokes are you going to have, and do you have to drive them in on both ends? And how really... Do you do that? Well, the
1: 18th century craftsmen, I'm sure folks prior to the 18th century as well, had come up with all sorts of interesting ways to make their lives easier. You know, they were, they were thinking, how can I make this hurt less, usually? At least how that's how I look at it. And the special benches were devised to put the hub on with a trough cut in the floor. So, When you drive one spoke in, say it's 30 inches long, and then you turn the wheel around, drive the opposite one in, and you're still only reaching a normal hammer blow. So, you know, you you can build a tall wheel conveniently by sinking half of it into the ground. It makes your life a lot easier not reaching over your head with a sledgehammer. You can make a, a really good,
0: steady blow with it and make it more accurate as well. Okay, you were at, talking earlier about if you if you get to, the the iron tire on and you try and shrink it too much, you could damage the okay. wheel. How do you get the iron tire on and shrink it enough that it fits solidly?
1: Well, that that's all in regards to measuring the circumference of the wheel and then determining how much shorter to make the iron tire. And part of it is strictly measuring the gaps where they occur between the wooden curved sections on the perimeter of the wheel. Other other parts of it is really, and some of my compatriots will say, well, it's nothing of it is art or nothing of it is kind of guessing, but you have to figure out how much the wood will squeeze, and that's just dealing with the wood over time. Some of it just takes that, you know, knowledge of experience to figure out. Every now and then you make a mistake. Hopefully it's not on something really important. But it, it can when when you see somebody's eyes get bigger and bigger as a tire is contracting and it's making all sorts of noises, then you know that maybe we took a hair too much out of this one.
0: That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check history.org often we'll post more for you to download and hear. <laughs>